Thank you for reading that passage, Alvin. That is a touching passage for all of us. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be continuing on with the uh, Beatitudes here today. Maybe by way of announcement, uh, we are having some family get-togethers and weddings and vacation time coming up, so our family will be missing for, I think, the next four Sundays. So we'll be here in spirit, not in person, and uh, looking forward to being together again here in a few weeks with you all again. I think summertime is the time for travel, isn't it? And uh, we can be in and out at times. So as we look at the Beatitudes here, uh, and uh, looking back over the Beatitudes that we have looked at the, uh, here, uh, preached on, uh, remembering the Beatitudes are the distinguishing mark of a true Christian. This is uh, something that comes out of a life that is given to God. We looked at the poor in spirit. And so blessed is a person that realizes that I do not have what it takes in standing before God. Blessed are those that mourn, that come face to face with the sin that holds them back and grieve that. Blessed are the meek, those who are under the control and directed and submitted to God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and long to be more righteous than they are. And that's, that's what comes out of a life that is given to God as we realize our, our lack of God and our weakness in front of him. So as we, as we go through the Beatitudes, they get harder and harder, don't they? And we... And we um, keep, keep coming back to the beginning um, as we come up against ourselves and our shortcomings. And we, we just say, Lord, we do not have what it takes. We need your help. And then we go back to confronting sin in our lives, submitting to Christ, hungering and thirsting for more of, of God, and asking him to just renew our spirit. And it repeats over and over again, maybe even in a day's time for us as we, as we come face to face with our weaknesses, with our sinfulness, with the fact that we are so far from God. So as we look at uh, this morning, as we look at verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy, we are getting into the fruit that we see coming out of a Christian life. We see mercy in verse 8. We see pureness in heart. And verse 9, we see peacemakers. And so this is the fruit of what happens as we walk with God and become closer and closer as he draws us to himself. So we'll look at mercy here this morning. We'll look at mercy as the character of God. We will look at mercy as the, the practical outworkings of mercy and then how we can become more merciful. So 
So mercy is a character of God. As we read in Hosea chapter 6, it says, I have desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And so as we look at the Old Testament, we realize that God is actually a merciful God. It brings that up again and again, and is repeated in the New Testament. When Jesus came up against the Pharisees, so often he would repeat this, this verse from Hosea. In Matthew 9, verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I believe we have a church full of people who are only righteous because of God and the forgiveness of sins. And then again, the Pharisees were confronting Jesus about picking corn on the Sabbath. And his reply in Matthew 12, But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. And so when, when, we, when we look at mercy in Scripture, we, we see mercy in the Old Testament. We see Jesus coming up against the Pharisees and, and just confronting them on, on the way they looked at people, the way they treated people. And it was just a blessing to study for this sermon. It was convicting. And I believe, I believe it's, it's just the heart of God Mercy is the heart of God, and we as Christians need to be walking in mercy. God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love. And he's not only merciful, but rich in mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, it's rich in mercy. Paul talked about receiving mercy in the book of Hebrews. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he is a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. And then we have Simon Peter. If I would sum it up, God told Jesus told Simon, He said, You're gonna you're gonna fail, it's gonna be public, and it's gonna be right out in front of everyone. And then he said, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I wonder what Jesus says when he looks at us. Because we fail. We fail publicly. We fail. It's pretty spectacular sometimes when we do it. And yet, what is Jesus praying for on our behalf? He's praying for a disciple that's going to deny him. And then he talks about our sins that he removes them as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. They're gone. They're not even present anymore. And, and that's our Jesus. Somehow, through the blood of Jesus, we are righteous, but only through the blood of Jesus. When we see God as a God who condemns, we won't go to him for help. But as a God who is full of mercy, 
We want to be with him. And to put flesh on it, if you think of someone who's merciful and willing to extend mercy in spite of what happens, we really want to be around those people, don't we? We feel safe with them. In Hebrews chapter 4, when it talks about coming to God, it says, let us come boldly with confidence, not doubting. Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The interesting thing is that God isn't just extending mercy when we sin, when we fail, but God's extending mercy when we come to him. There is plenty of mercy. There is plenty of forgiveness there for us. And so many times as human beings, we begin to doubt that God actually will forgive, that God actually will have mercy on us. When Doubting Thomas came to Jesus, and and we'll be looking at that in our Sunday school lesson here, I believe, next Sunday. Jesus gave him physical proof of who he was. And I believe this is maybe an image of what what Jesus does for us when we come to him looking for mercy. He, He shows us, but we need to get close to him. And I believe as Thomas said, we will say also, my Lord and my God, when we get close to Jesus and we experience that mercy from him. And I believe as, as mercy is the character of God, the true character of God, I believe mercy is God's calling to us as his people. We should be marked for having a tender heart that cares. God has a way of making it simple in what he wants for us. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, we all know this verse well, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And why do you think he threw in love mercy? I believe It is hard for us as humans to actually be kind to ourselves and accept mercy, accept a free gift. And then to also extend that to those around us, people who we rub shoulders with. But we're to be a reflection of the heart of God. And I I see it interesting in the Beatitudes as Jesus says that we are to hunger and thirst after righteousness and right away, the subject turns to mercy. It's, I believe it's so close to the heart of God for each one of us to be merciful. A few practical ways to practice mercy. I think this verse is simple, and how can you preach a sermon on being merciful? I think you actually preach multiple sermons on being merciful. There are so many ways that we as people can flesh out mercy and how that actually works out day to day. When we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, if I were to sum it up, he got down on his hands and knees, got his hands dirty with the situation and restored dignity to the person who was robbed and beaten. 
And how about us, to the person who has sinned, to the person who has wronged us? What if we restore dignity? And I believe that we, one way we can do that is physically. When there's needs, when there's material needs, when people just need help and there's no way they can get help and we step in and help them, that, that's mercy. They don't necessarily just deserve mercy. You'll notice that the Good Samaritan didn't judge this man for who he was or how he got into the situation, but he just went and, and met a need. And that's a real blessing. When someone steps into your life and meets a need without asking questions, without assigning blame, without trying to figure out why you ended up where you ended up, that really speaks to our hearts. And in meeting needs, we preach the gospel that Jesus has sent us to preach. I believe another way of practicing mercy is to have compassion. In Jude chapter 1, verse 22, it says, and of some having compassion, making a difference. And I believe that's referring to people who doubt, who doubt their salvation, who struggle with the assurance of salvation. And so if we have never experienced struggle with that, it's easy for us to say, well, just read the scripture. Just uh, be okay with it. And yet it's a real thing. Sometimes we really struggle with assurance of salvation. We really struggle with doubting. So what if we have compassion on them? What if we walk with them? It takes time. And even if our struggles are different, we still have struggles ourselves, and our weaknesses are no better than theirs. We see other people's failures, and I, I believe a really good way to practice mercy is when there's just embarrassing failures that come up. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 says, Love covers a multitude of sins. A hard heart, <clears throat> a hard-hearted person <clears throat> will always make a big deal of little failures. But a kind-hearted person has a blind eye towards failures. People have said that uh, we need to walk around in life with one eye covered and one ear shut. And let those things go, those failures. Instead of pointing out failures in others, what if we have compassion and mercy towards them? Because we ourselves are going to fail, and most times we just don't have any idea when we do fail. What about talking negatively about others or gossiping about others? I believe there's a good way to practice mercy when negative things come up about people. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
And, I, and we could put the word speak on these things instead of think, because what we think eventually comes out in the words that we say. Hopefully you still have a lot to talk about. I believe Satan is in it to twist truth. Maybe some of it is true, or, or maybe none of it is true. And I believe as, as people, as fallen people, it's in our hearts to believe the worst at times rather than believing the best. And it's easy to make a big deal out of someone's failures and not make a big deal out of their virtues. But I believe a merciful person will talk about people's virtues more than their failures or have, have mercy towards their failings. A quote from Thomas Watson, he said, He who takes away the good name of another is worse than stealing from him. And he who receives stolen goods is as bad as the one who steals them. So think about this. When you hear a story that you're not sure is actually truth. And think about having mercy on someone. Another way we can practice mercy, I believe, is having reasonable expectations of one another. Psalms 103, verse 14, God remembers our, God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And so often we forget that we are dust and those around us are dust. And we lose sight of having mercy. The unforgiving servant who received mercy and went out and demanded payback from someone who owed him even less, I believe is a picture of what we as people can do when we don't extend mercy to others, when we have been forgiven so much from God. So let's remember that each of us are dust, our fellow church members, the people we relate with this week, and let's not expect more of them than we actually expect of ourselves. Another opportunity to extend mercy, I believe, is when we have been hurt, personally hurt. We've been injured, we've been offended, and we will be offended. People will say and do things that do offend us greatly. That is one guarantee of life. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just keep that verse in front of you. And uh, life, life has a way of circling back so often. And I believe the older we get, the more we see life just circling back. And someday, you will probably have the opportunity to get even with the person that did something to you, whether they know it, they did something or not. Sometimes you just can't make up what happens in life. And I believe that's the test. And we look at the story of Joseph. Joseph had no one to speak up for him when he was thrown into the pit and sold. Yes, maybe there was some mercy with one of his his brothers, but yet he was sold. He had no voice. 
and he was at the mercy of his brothers who wanted to get rid of him. And then years later, unknown to his brothers, here they came in front of Joseph. And Joseph had a choice to make. Will I get them back for what they did to me that was wrong? Or will I forgive? And I believe that this, even beyond the whole story and everything we can get out of the illustrations, this was a test for Joseph, where God was testing him to see what he would do. And that moment, that moment was revealing when Joseph realized who they were. But I believe Joseph had become a person of mercy And when you look at Joseph's life, there's not a lot of reasons for him to feel merciful towards his brothers with what all happened. And sometimes there's not a lot of reasons for us to feel merciful either, other than we've been forgiven so much by God and have no right to hold something against our brother. And of course, remember that those who are merciful will be blessed, will obtain mercy. And then when we look back at Jude again, verse 23, and others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I believe if we have mercy to others, we will care enough about them to save them and stop them when we see them on the, right, on the wrong path. And we'll share the gospel with them. So these are just some practical ways that honestly can be hard at times to show mercy to others, but yet God is calling us to this. So how can I become even more merciful than I am today? I'd like to look at forgiveness here a bit. Mercy and forgiveness are really so close to the same word. Mercy talks about kind and forgiving treatment to those who could be treated harshly, who we feel have a right to be treated harshly. And forgiveness is letting go of that anger and resentment against that person. So mercy is broader than forgiveness, but forgiveness goes further than mercy. The Good Samaritan did not forgive. He, there was nothing to forgive. He, he showed mercy And yet, forgiveness comes out of a heart of mercy. Sometimes we look at forgiving someone for what they've done to us, and it's just a huge mountain to climb. There's no way we can get to the top of that mountain, or we don't feel we can. For our heart to really get to the place where we're releasing that person, forgiving that person for what they've done to us, and we struggle and struggle and struggle, and yet a heart of mercy will help us get to that point of forgiving in our heart. Forgiveness is a fruit of a life in Jesus Christ who forgives, for forgives us. And so forgiven people are known by the way that they forgive. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I believe as we love our enemies and we have mercy towards them in spite of what they have done, 
we will be ready to release them. We will release them personally and actually be ready to forgive when they do come to us and repent. And in a way, if you think about this, God is the only being in the universe that doesn't forgive until there's repentance. But the atonement has been made. His blood covers us, and God loves us as we work on coming back to him. In our hearts, whenever there's a deep hurt, we want justice. And for some of us in our personalities, it is so important that there's justice done. We we just cannot stand to see injustice. I'd like to look at Ephesians here. Ephesians chapter 4. If we look at the last uh, few verses here in the chapter, Ephesians 4 verse 31. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. The word mercy is not used in verse 32, but it is very much implied. Kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. And I believe mercy, as it paves the road for us to get to forgiveness, mercy keeps us from just dwelling on how we've been hurt. The more we dwell on our injury, the more we have bitterness, anger, and those are fires that we can keep feeding or we can extend mercy towards the other person. And have compassion on people who have hurt you. It's easy for us to have compassion on a blind person. We see them walking down the street using their stick or or, uh, walking with their dog (coughs) and we feel sorry for them because they can't see where they're going. They have no idea. And it's easy for us to jump in and help them out if they don't see danger. And yet, each one of us has been blind in our sins. And we don't see ourselves the way others see us. We don't realize how we hurt other people What if we would have compassion to someone who harms us unknowingly? We would have compassion to the blind person who walks into us, right? They can't see. And yet, how much mercy do we extend to our fellow brother or sister in Christ or anyone when they can't see and don't realize what they've done? And realize that we will need the forgiveness of others. I believe it's possible to ask God for mercy and refusing to extend forgiveness towards others. And appreciate that forgiveness that we have in Christ and continue to forgive one another. So I believe as we follow mercy, we have the capacity to live a life where we are not holding things against other people. 
Jesus, as he looks at us, I believe he is kind, tender-hearted, compassionate. Um, he sees us as in need of help, and he's willing to step in and love us and care for us and have mercy and compassion. And how much are we as Christians replicating Jesus Christ, willing to do that for others? So in conclusion, as we look at mercy, we could talk a lot more about mercy. The story of the woman caught in adultery and brought in front of the Pharisees and Jesus that comes to mind. And, and there's so much packed in that parable and, or in that story. When we look at the righteousness of God, it's, it's way over here, the holiness of God, and we're over here. And we're all over here. Even the woman caught in adultery is all the way over here with the scribes and Pharisees. And so none of us are even close. And as we look at the words of Jesus, as he said, he who is without sin among you, throw the first stone. And the story says they filed out from the oldest to the youngest. No one had a stone to throw. I don't believe any of us either have stones to throw. And then we get to Jesus' words when it was just him and the lady. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I believe that's just a very, very, very powerful illustration of each one of us in our lives as we need forgiveness, we need mercy. Without it, we are not saved. There is no way to move forward in relationship with God without his mercy and forgiveness. So let's, as Christians, as little Christ, be full of mercy towards others as God was towards us, as God is towards us. We never forget that person who <clears throat> was kind, full of compassion, um, tender-hearted, caring, merciful, especially at the time when we were at our deepest need, our lowest point. And there were no words of condemnation. And I believe as we, as Christians, do that for each other and do that for others, we are representing the very character of who God is. So may God help us realize what we actually have been forgiven from and what he is asking us as Christians to do with each other as we walk here on earth. Our problems are no different than the next person's problems when it comes to in comparison with our Lord and Savior who is perfect and holy. And let's not forget that. Let's kneel for prayer. <clears throat>